Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. And the World Health Organization, influenced by China, continue to refuse international experts to investigate what happened. What are they hiding? Began imposing consequences on China. The president's plans for infrastructure. Our roads, bridges, water systems are crumbling. We're willing to add more new money to infrastructure. This. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. Tom and Benny and Clark and you. Lots to talk about this hour. Carolina Journal is uh, reporting, along with another uh, um, a number of media outlets. The man once described by the Carolina Journal as the alleged mastermind of an election fraud scheme in the 9th Congressional District, if you remember, that was... Uh, the race that involved Reverend Mark Harris, a Republican, to get out the vote in the 2018 congressional run. Uh, that man, Leslie McCray Dallas, 65 years old, pleaded guilty today in Greenville to charges of theft, theft of government property and Social Security fraud. According to a news release from the U.S. Attorney's Office, Dallas entered his plea minutes before jury selection was scheduled to start for the trial in Greenville Federal Court. The charges carry a maximum penalty of 15 years in prison. Dallas faces a sentence hearing on August the 23rd. So it's interesting, you know, they didn't get him so much on election fraud as they did. The guy's not real bright. Uh, Basically, while he was doing election fraud, he was also doing Social Security fraud. Mm. He had told... Social Security, that he was disabled, he couldn't work. It turns out he's been working for a while as, quote, a election consultant. He's defrauded Social Security, and uh, sounds like he's—I'd be shocked if he doesn't end up with uh, some time behind bars. So I guess it's kind of like Al Capone. They got a a murderer for tax evasion. Yeah, (laughs) basically, that's what happened. Unbeknownst to the Social Security Administration, Dallas worked as a consultant for at least two political campaigns during the 2018 midterm elections. The release continued from March 2017 to November 2018. Dallas received at least 59 checks totaling $135,365.57 for consulting work. Dallas failed to report his work and income to the Social Security Administration. That's pretty good pay for uh, somebody who's not too bright. With the uh, guilty plea, federal prosecutors dropped two other charges against Dallas. Carolina Journal recounted Dallas's role in the 2018 congressional election scandal when reporting on his arrest in February 2019. At the time, Dallas faced indictment on state charges connected to his election work. Dallas is the alleged mastermind behind the absentee by mail voting fraud ring in Bladen and Robeson counties during the 2016 and 2018 election cycles, the Carolina Journal reported. The state indictments said Dallas directed people under him to commit crimes and encouraged them to give false statements to investigators. His co-conspirators also engaged in a variety of unlawful acts, the indictment said. Dallas was a key political operative hired by Mark Harris, a Republican, to help get out his 2018 congressional vote. Harris unofficially won the November 6th election by 905 votes over Dan McCready, but the State Board of Elections refused to certify that race due to widespread election irregularities. You know, it's curious about this. And look, I'm not defending uh, Leslie McRae Dallas at all. The guy was guilty as the day is long. I'm shocked that Mark Harris, who I thought was a fairly intelligent person, 
didn't do any additional vetting when he went to hire this guy. I, he just uh, he just comes across as shady. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't have to be around the guy very long to think, eh, something doesn't exactly seem right here. Now, I can't remember. Was this a North Carolina House district or, or U.S. Congress? No, this is U.S. Congress. Okay, yeah, U.S. Congress. Congress. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was going up to Washington. Hmm. Bl- uh, but, like Bladen County, that area? Seemed like um, was- yeah, he was out of, I think, I think uh, Harris actually lived in Union County, I think. Mm-hmm. But the, uh, the fraud, and, and that's where the, the, the district was. It was in the southern part of the state that goes right. from Roberson up to uh, towards Mecklenburg. I don't think it actually went into Mecklenburg, but it was uh, that, that general vicinity. Mm-hmm. But what's curious about this, though, is the fact that they, and again, the, the, by the way, let me interrupt this thing. I, the, just, just a pause in this story to say. <laughs> another robocall. Another robocall. <laughs> I, uh, both of us today have gotten about a dozen robocalls. It must be a full moon out tonight. Could we please have a clash action suit against Spectrum? Two of those calls were Spectrum. I, I thought this was illegal. The robocalls I thought were illegal. I don't know how they get your number. I, I, I had somebody actually in the office though. They get a number, and the name came up. From someone he knows, someone I know. Oh, I've had myself call me. I've had <laughs> I've had calls. It says Tom Lefbrecht is calling you. Uh, yeah, they steal the number. Anyway, let me get back to Dallas McCray. <laughs> it's interesting on this that they would go after him on the Social Security fraud, which is probably a, a stronger, easier, more exact uh, science in terms of enforcing the law. But, uh, I, again... You go back to 2018, and the State Board of Elections refused to certify this race due to widespread election irregularities. Why did we not hear that in the last presidential election? <laughs> I mean, there was a rush, and anybody that would have objected to not immediately certifying the presidential election was considered a nut and a kook. Oh, yeah. And again, I don't, I don't, I, I, I think the North Carolina State Board of Elections was absolutely right in not certifying this. I mean, they, they hit mm-hmm. it out of the park on this. Mm-hmm. But so, but why then, when the Trump election happens, the Trump-Biden election, if, if, you, uh, if you said, Wait, let, let's put the brakes on before we certify this, you're a nut. Well, you know, you can go, um, well, maybe you can't go on Google now because Google probably got, uh, got wise to it. But, you know, prior to the presidential election season, if you will, you know, starting... I don't know, but basically when the pandemic started, um, the fall, but prior to that, I mean, U.S. congressional hearings, it was littered with election concerns, election integrity concerns, mainly about the Democrats were, were as powerful about it. And then just as soon as the pandemic hit, and I think was a, a complete plan of, I mean, it was a plan. Bingo. What do you mean? We've got we don't have election integrity problems. We got the safest, securest elections oh, yeah. in the history. Oh yeah. oh yeah. And just two months prior to that, Democrats were on record was really concerned about it in Congress, hearing after hearing after hearing. So, and by the way, this is coming up big time down in Georgia again. Remember the guy named uh, Brad Rassenberger, yeah. the Georgia State uh, Secretary mm-hmm. of State. He he said exactly that. You know, after right after the election, when Trump was questioning the validity of Joe Biden winning by just 12,000 votes. And Rassenberger said, oh, oh, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. 
Uh, well, now we're starting to find out, and you know, the, the, the information is just trickling out in Georgia, but Fulton County especially, it looks like there was massive fraud down there. And there's some news out this weekend about, um, I forget what, where it was, but Nevada Nevada is basically saying, hey, we need to have the same thing that's going and on Arizona. in Arizona because yeah. Arizona, yeah. you know, they're finding all sorts of irregularities. It's, and, you know, again, we've talked about it before. But why on election night, the only places that couldn't get their votes counted was was where it was in play. The districts, right. only the districts in play. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. If, if 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 either candidate was winning by a large margin, that was no. Oh yeah, no yeah, issue. we got. They're yeah. all in. Yeah, all all reporting. Yeah, I'd say that's a clue. You know? uh, yeah, you think. Um, Joe Biden is coming down to Raleigh on Thursday, visiting the state capitol as a part of his continued efforts to encourage people across the country to get the COVID-19 vaccine. Uh, isn't this getting a little old at this point? I mean, don't you think at this point that if you wanted the vaccine, you would have gotten the vaccine? Yeah, I, you know, I, I guess he's really just coming down for votes, you know, or trying to, I mean, North Carolina is getting more and more apparent. I mean, it was Obviously important this last election, but uh, people are moving like crazy to North Carolina. Oh, yeah. And North Carolina is going to be we, – we think we're a, a big swing state. North Carolina is going to be very important Might be going the forward. biggest swing state. Yeah, and we got, you know, possibly the most important Senate race coming up yeah. in America. So uh, for you people that advertise, do political ads – Go buy a new car. (laughs) (laughs) Or at least get a down payment on one. Yeah, because you're going to have a busy season in the next couple of years. You know, it's interesting, though. So he's coming down here to try to encourage people to get the vaccine, which you're probably right. It's just a, you know, dog and pony show to see if. Although when Joe goes out to try to sell himself, he does the opposite. But did you see on Friday there was a story out that, and, and Reuters, acknowledged that there was three. There's a number of other outlets that have come out and said there were four. Four British airline pilots who were perfectly healthy in their 40s and 50s died within, I think the longest was maybe a two-week period after they got the vaccine. Mm-hmm. One died within just a few days after they got the vaccine. And, okay, maybe it's an anomaly, and, and, you know, it was like I'd, I like to think that they, you know, when you have four healthy guys that all die and they just got the vaccine, you would think that they would look into that with a microscope and figure out, OK, exactly why. And how many how many total have died from the vaccine? I mean, it's in the thousands. The last time I saw it was, uh, I think, between three and four thousand. And, and look, I understand that we had a lot of people that died of covid, but in past situations where we brought in a vaccine for like the flu virus they would take it off the market if there was just a few dozen that Mm -hmm. died and we have a few thousand that have died and we're still pushing go out and get it and last week i um i mean this just wasn't this isn't conspiracy crazy websites or I, i forget what uh what medical uh, journal, but uh, they're reporting, I mean, there's some serious issues of kids under 18 taking a vac- vaccine oh, yeah. with heart inflammation. Yes. Um, and that's, you know. Yes. I mean, it, it's more, I mean, more than just a rare occurrence, dozens and, and dozens. And, and, and yet they're still pushing that. 
I boy, I, if I had, you know, I heard somebody the other day, a twelve year old, and they got vaccine. I just, I, I said, Mom, Dad, are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, first of all, the chances of a 12-year-old getting it is highly unlikely. Yeah, and if they get it and, and if they do have serious complications, it, it's, pro- it's probably – they're probably going to discover something else. There were some other complications. Underlying, you know, yeah. Particularly, um, you know, I, there was a well-documented case of a student at Appalachian State that passed away with COVID. But it, really, when, you, when I dove down in the article – Other issues. Uh, there, there were some other issues that they didn't realize, you know, had, you know just like – like most men in general, but especially teenagers and young and young people, they don't go to the doctor until they twist their ankle right. on a basketball court or yeah. something. Yeah. You know, just um, just like me, I, went, I, I was going to say present company uh, included. <laughs> just like me, I think I went twenty years between the last high school physical and the next one. Or that's something. the truth. <laughs> I don't know. Most guys are like you and I, but that is the truth. Of course, now you know. Uh, every time something happens, I'm like. Uh, mm. Is this the big one? Let me go to the doctor. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> what did Fred Sanford used to say? Oh, yeah. It's the big one. Um, good news on the state financial picture level. Flush with cash. Yeah. And the good news. Now, the Democrats are all poo-pooing it. And as you can imagine, they're all saying, oh, you cheap, you cheap Republicans, you should give it all away. You almost said what I was thinking, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but the, the Senate Republicans are kicking out the new budget. In fact, uh, we might have a, a copy of the um, budget in a little bit. Um, it's supposed to come out, I think, at 5.30 this afternoon, although those are rarely on time. But the new budget is such that we're looking at a, a tax cut, a pretty significant tax cut. The budget's tax cuts include cutting the personal income tax to 3.99 by 2026. It currently is at uh, 5.25. Uh, next year, it'll be 4.99. So we're talking about between now and five years from now, having your state income, personal income tax drop by two percentage points. Uh, I would think at that point, now granted, you got some states that don't have any personal income tax, but they have high property tax. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Tennessee, Florida, Delaware, but I mean, here for a state that that has a personal income tax, this has got to be one of the lowest. Uh, if if we get to that in 2026, also uh, state employees, you're going to be looking at a raise or a bonus. And one of the areas that are going to see the the biggest bonuses would be for law enforcement and correctional officers. Uh, so we're they're they're putting their money where their mouth is. But as you can imagine, again, the the governor. Uh, the North Carolina Association of Educators, uh, Tamika Walker Kelly, said, "Oh, oh you know, you 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 don't do anything for the teachers." Now we got to remember, it was the governor that has twice vetoed raises for teachers. Republicans have been trying. He keeps yeah, vet- vetoing, keep it. vetoing it. I, I I just think this year, I, I don't think Governor Cooper is going to be able to hide behind. You know, Medicaid expansion. I mean, h- how long is this going to sit well with the teachers and educators? I, I actually know. I actually know some that voted for them that are to the point of you know, enough already. <laughs> I know? hope. But I hope. You know, a good thing in the tax proposal that this, in the Senate tax proposal is that um, you know to keep the Democrats from saying, "Hey, it's all going to the wealthy." 
there's a lot of people in North Carolina that won't be paying any tax oh, yeah. in, the, in the lower income. Oh, yeah. Um, significant savings for the middle class. The standard deduction or tax bracket for paying zero taxes would be raised to 25500 The tax deduction for the children would be increased to $500 for each child. Senate Republicans said a family of four that earns a median household income would get a 37% income tax cut if the budget becomes law. So listen, that, that, is, that is a bogus argument that is all going, and, and that's exactly what they said. That's what the teachers, uh, uh, Kelly, Walker Kelly said. That's what the governor said. Oh, you're, you're giving all this money to wealthy corporations, and the poor people of North Carolina aren't getting a dime. And that's and, BS. And he, yeah, and here again, as we've talked about it before, uh, say it passes. The, the Democrats will push the narrative, well, you have X billion dollars or million dollars for the wealthy and only X dollars for these people. Well, these people don't pay a lot of tax. <laughs> they don't pay I mean, many of them. Yeah, they pay but, literally a few dollars. But by percentage, it, it's a big deal to, to everybody. And guess what? Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of North Carolinians work for corporations. Yeah. And, you know, you have to remind the Democrats all the time that, hey, it's not your money. Yeah. It's the taxpayers' money. <laughs> the state doesn't have money except for what they take from the citizens. I mean, also, the uh, Carolina Journal is reporting state Senate leader, or Senate leaders, I should say, will be uh, proposing to spend three billion dollars over the next two years on capital and infrastructure projects. That money is a part of a larger ten-year, twelve billion dollar cash plan tied to the Senate's budget. So I, I guess what they're saying here, in essence, is they're not looking at uh, financing this through. Uh, bonds as much mm -hmm. as they're going to, hey, we're going to take this cash that we're bringing in and we're going to turn around and spend it on infrastructure. And for the folks in the eastern part of the state, particularly in Greenville and East Carolina University, uh, will that mean that the Brody School of Medicine will finally get uh, some air under its wings? Will that be a project? Yeah, and, I, and makes you wonder too. Um Will Don Davis vote for it and then vote against it uh, if if the governor vetoes it? Will he uphold his veto? Well, he here's the question. Don, are you going to run for uh, Butterfield's seat here shortly? <laughs> I, I, I think you probably want to. So yeah. um, you're going to need more votes than uh, – or, or do you just say, well, I'm going to win anyway just because – Maybe we can get Don on this week and talk about it. I think Don's listening. He can come on and see what his opinion is on that i don't know if we've got three hours for a show but uh you know i don't know you know the, you know a lot of times you know the, the they'll listen to the opposite the political opposition i don't know if don ever listens to us or not uh i i i if i was a betting man i'd say no we've got to take a time out much more to come on this monday edition of news and views stay with us benny and i'll be right back <laughs> Join the show, 252-561-TALK. News and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. 27 minutes past the top of the hour. Your weather forecast for tonight, uh, low around 76 with partly cloudy skies. Tomorrow, a chance of showers and thunderstorms pretty much throughout the day. Chance of rain is 80% with a high near 84. Tomorrow night, more chance of rain. Again, 80% chance of rain, possibly a half inch. A Wednesday, the front comes through. It's going to be sunshine and a high of just 76. So uh, enjoy Wednesday. Did you See, get much rain here? Was there much rain this weekend? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yesterday afternoon. Um, I, was, yeah, I, I mean, was, it came and went, but at one point yesterday afternoon, it, mm -hmm. it poured for about an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. yeah. It looked like it got more this way. 
than down south a little bit. <laughs> CNBC, along with a number of other media outlets, is uh, reporting on a yet another unanimous decision by the Supreme Court as they rule against the NCAA in compensation uh, in the compensation battle, I should say, with college athletes. The Supreme Court handed a unanimous victory earlier today to Division I college athletes for the fight against the National Collegiate Athletic Association over caps it sought to impose on compensation related to education. The court voted nine to zip to affirm lower court rulings that found that antitrust law prevented the NCAA from restricting payments to athletes for items such as musical instruments or compensation for internships. The justices rejected the NCAA's argument that players' amateur status would be impossible to maintain if they could receive pay even for education-related expenses. Uh, Kavanaugh wrote, nowhere else in America can businesses get away with agreeing not to pay their workers a fair market rate on the theory that their product is defined by not paying their workers a fair market rate. And under ordinary principles of antitrust law, it is not evident why college sports should be any different. The NCAA is not above the law. Now, Gorsuch wrote also on this, and basically he said, okay, if, if you, if you want to retain your status, or, or the status quo, I should say, of not paying your athletes, then you got to take it to Congress. you got to take it to Congress and get them to pass laws that would give you a carve-out. So far, that hasn't happened. But, you know, the other thing that's interesting about this is, I'm sorry, I would think for these college athletes, especially some colleges and some of the athletes, um, extra payments for things such as musical instruments or compensation for internships that's got to already be happening (laughs) yeah come on you're gonna tell me that's not happening now now maybe what they're saying is okay this is gonna be across the board for all division one athletes i'm not sure but uh, you know that's that's the least that that they're paying Mm -hmm. covering your 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 musical instruments if you're a college athlete. I'm sorry, if you're a star football player, you're getting more than the cost of your instrument. Well, you know, college athletics are so different than they were, you know, even 20, 25 years ago. Um, you know, it's easy for someone to sit here and say, well, gosh, you're getting free education, blah, 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 blah. But the amount of dollars that are in college sports is just oh, yeah. just crazy. And Well, do you know why the Purdue Boilermakers are named the Boilermakers? It's not over beer and bourbon drink or not. No, I mean they they used to make these big boilers for the locomotives up there. Oh, okay. And hmm. the people, the reason why they were called the boiler makers is because the students didn't play on the teams. It was the boiler makers that played on the Purdue teams. You go look it up. The original the original players that played in these sports, they went out and hired these guys that were hawks because they were moving iron all day long. And on Saturday, they get out there and play whatever. And uh, that's you go because I, I, you know, I was always curious why why the boilermakers? Well, again, locomotive boilers, but it was a. Now I'm not saying there weren't any students on there, but they had non-students that were working at the local boilermaker plant that were uh, playing. Well, you know, early on, I think there was a lot of college coaches. um, I mean, early, early on. but basically, they they didn't get paid no, <laughs> to be a coach, no. and then uh, I, I think some of the Ivy League schools saw the potential uh, 
money that was in and in, in generating interest in the universities and that type of thing. And of course, now it's just uh, <laughs> it's gone crazy. But I I thought Kavanaugh, um, Justice Kavanaugh's response in that I read it. And he, and he basically said, if you don't like it, go to Congress. Right. I mean, they, yeah, they, that's Gorsuch and yeah. Kavanaugh both. Yeah. You yeah. Know. And and that's their option. But I, I now I will say this: this is the foot in the door. This is the camel's nose in the tent. If, and, and I'm not saying which side is right on this, but if this is a paradigm shift, and they're now saying, okay, we're going to go ahead. If the NCA says we're not going to fight it, we're going to allow this to begin. Uh, you're basically going to be looking at paid athletes, yeah. and the next, you know, the next logical step will be okay. My value to your income is, you know, based on some sort of ratio. So therefore, I deserve more money. Yeah. How do you, how do you determine whether a, um, you know, a a women's or men's lacrosse player? gets anything yeah, well, ver- well, versus you know division one running back right well uh, title nine you know said okay we got to spend the same amount now is title nine then going to apply to the compensation yeah and uh, you know it, it's it really opens up a can of worms here but here, here's the other thing too is at that point and you know the, the other thing they were talking about too is allowing athletes to sell their notoriety Mm-hmm. So if you've got a new car dealer that's opening up and uh, you've got this, the star quarterback playing for Rutgers and uh, they can go to this new car dealer in downtown New York, what is the worth of that star athlete to a New York dealership mm-hmm. versus an ECU star athlete going down to an Aiden car dealership for their opening of their new showroom? Uh, and, and my point is, you're gonna. It's suddenly gonna be a a change in how an athlete views where I might go to school based right. on what kind of remuneration well, I can what, get. That's already happening in college. Yeah. College basketball. The dirty little secret is. Yeah. <laughs> Is, you know, okay, I need to go to a Nike school or I need to go to Adidas school or whatever the brand. So mom and dad can get a new house? And the, Yeah, and the and these kids are playing these these tournaments all over the country that, hey, are, are sponsored and funded by Nike and these other places. Just And I won't start naming names, but there's local high schools here in North Carolina that travel around the world to go play in a tournament. And I just asked a fundamental question. Who's paying? Who's paying? Yeah. These are poor kids from Eastern North Carolina. They don't have any money. Who's paying? So You just answered I, your own question. Yeah. I, I, but, you know, I will say we won't stay on this any longer than you want to. But, I mean, I can, I can see the argument both ways. The, the libertarian leanings in me says, hey, an individual has a right to, hey, my likeness is my likeness. <laughs> I don't think anybody right. pay for my likeness. <laughs> but In fact, we're trying to change it. But, but at the same time um, – are you, are you, you know, is number seven on Duke basketball team? And I don't know who number seven is on Duke basketball team. They may not have one. But is number seven on Duke basketball team, is he popular because of himself or Duke? Would he get all the notoriety playing on the AAU circuit or playing on the NBA Development League? Yeah. So who – who so I – there's something that needs to be done. I don't know what it is, but but I do know. I used to say, you know, the, the hard and fast, um, you know, strict person in me used to say, look, bottom line is go to college. If you can't get on your own merit, to heck with it. But but I have seen college athletes that 
you know, they had a dream of playing professional one day, but the, you know, the likelihood was likelihood right. was pretty remote. Right. I've seen it change some poor kids' lives in North in Eastern North Carolina, especially that if it wasn't for college athletics, you know, they they might have continued the cycles that they saw they saw all around them, but. They ended up being school teachers and and uh, coaches and uh, well. The other side of that coin too is you have college athletes that come in and whether it's their decision or just the way things fell into place, they go through the three or four years and they don't make it in the pros. They get out. They don't have a degree, and frankly, they don't really have any training. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've been let down by the school that's supposed to be educating them, and those kids have been used. In certain cases, oh, they yeah. have been used strictly for their ability on the field or on the court, and they, they have brought in a lot of money to, the, to that uh, institution. Um, it, it, or have they gotten a fair shake? I think that's a question worth uh, worthy of looking at. Yeah, and when you have these NCAA uh, officials and the uh, NCAA coaches, if they want to get on their soapbox talking about this, um, hey, the, it, it has afforded them generational wealth in some of the positions oh, yeah. they've got. Oh, yeah. Oh, so. you think? 561-8255. Gary's on the line. I think he wants to chime in on this. Hey, Gary. Hey, Gary. Hey, gentlemen. How's it going? Doing how's it going? Well. Good to hear from you. Yeah, I was – I was thank you. Uh, listening today to the new uh, Clay Travis Buck Sexton uh, time slot, the old Rush Limbaugh time slot, right? And and they were talking about that today. And of course, Clay is very familiar with the college and football and sports and everything. And he had a couple of examples today that made kind of sense for the college guy because he had two examples. He said, "Take take Johnny Manziel when he played for Oklahoma. If he." If he was to sell his autograph, he would have been suspended from playing, but yet that person that got the autograph would run right straight to eBay and right. sell it yeah. and get money from it. That's a great point. And, and another example he had, that guy that played for Tarboro that went to the Rams, the running back, I can't yeah. think of his name. Yeah. Uh, um, he got injured a couple of times, mm-hmm. but anyway, he got suspended for like six games when he played, I think it was Texas Tech. I might be wrong on that, but he sold a, a pair of cleats and a used jersey, and he got suspended for six games. Mm-hmm. Right. By by selling those jerseys to a fan, so Clay was kind of on the on the side of the players, you know, being able to be compensated in in a way, and it kind of makes sense to some extent there. So he had two good examples, I thought. So, but uh, like Kavanaugh was saying, you know, you can't just use these players and make money off them, and they don't get nothing from it. So anyway, well, that's just a couple of good. Yeah, Gary, that's just like um, you talking about Johnny Manziel. What's the difference between him him selling an autograph or, or or taking his jersey and signing it and selling it versus the university have his, his um, you know his his jersey for sale on a website with his jersey number, his pictures all over the website, and and selling uh, basically you know selling um, selling tickets and everything else. I mean, what what's the difference? Uh, the Brother, way, they're making money off him, and he couldn't get nothing from it. So. By the way, the Todd, anyway. uh, Todd Gurley was that running back you were talking about? Todd Gurley, that's yeah. it. That's yeah. the guy. Yeah, that's the guy from Tarboro. Well, you know, anyway. well, here, here's, here's the uh, – uh, now, this is not going to happen. But here's the other the, – the, the opposite side of this is get college sports back to where they were 100 years ago. Right. Where right. it was, you know, a minimal amount of money, and, and it was actually – just your, I mean, when it started out, and again, you had you had non college students playing, like in the Boilermakers. But a lot of times, you know, they just 
kids that were going to school. They mm. weren't going out and recruiting athletes. They were students. And they said, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'd, I'd like to play in, in some sports. And so on the side, they went out and played sports. But th- that's not, that's not going to go back. I mean, that's not, that's not going <laughs> to no. happen. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it, Gary. 561-8255. We've got to take a timeout. We'll get to your calls right after this. Back to news and views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in 17 minutes before the top of the hour. Let's go back to the phones. We have Reed from New Bern on the line. Hey, Reed. Hey, Reed. Hey, hey guys. Uh, nice to talk to you. Hey, I'm a parent of a four-year scholarship, full-ride uh, college athlete football. Mm-hmm. And I want to tell you that a, a full-ride scholarship isn't free. Um, and I, and there are a lot of expenses that folks have got to pay as parents, to, uh, you know, being an out-of-state athlete that, uh, that people don't think about. Like, uh, you know, football especially, they start in, about the time school gets out. And uh, they've got, uh, you know, room and board and expenses. And, feed, you know, the, the, the athletes need fed. And uh, if, if they're having practice that day, they'll have food for them there. But, but otherwise, they don't. And it's, uh, you know, these athletes' schedules are, are full. I mean, they are slammed from, from 6.30 in the morning through the study tables at night at 10 o'clock. They just, you know, during the season and leading up to the season, they just don't have time to go get a part-time job to uh, pick up on some of those expenses or even to have a part-time job in the summertime to, um, uh, you know, save up to spend the money that they earn during the summer, during the year to, to take care of incidentals. Well, you know, like, well, well, let me ask you, Reed, uh, you're, you're, you're a dad of an athlete. Now, is he, has he graduated at this point or is he still in school? Yeah, he did. He did. He graduated three and a half years. Okay. So, so as a dad, you got an interesting perspective here. You got some insight into what the expenses are. What if you had the magic wand and you could, uh, you could dictate uh, within reason? Obviously, every every athlete can't get X number of dollars, but within reason, what do you think a equitable situation would be for a person like your son who is is in? a sport that is high demand and uh, doesn't ha- have the, and you're right. They don't have the opportunity to go out and to get a part-time job if they're, if they're following their coach's instructions. And it, it really is a year round, you know, they got some time off, but it's, it's pretty intense. What would be right. If, if you could. And he did, and he did work. He did work a few months out of the year, you know, uh, their basketball season, basically. So what, what would, what do you think would be an equitable arrangement? Um, for, for colleges well, to... uh, for instance, you know, uh, jersey sales, uh, sales at the bookstore on the, you know, athlete's numbers uh, or their athlete's uh, name and things like that. I mean, a, a percentage of that. Uh, it doesn't have to be a lot. But, I mean, you know, if, if a student made an extra five or 600 bucks a, uh, uh, a semester, 
that would cover a lot of the expenses. The other thing that well, wait a minute, 500, 500 bucks to feed your son wouldn't go very far. You <laughs> that wouldn't even last two weeks. <laughs> he's not a kicker, is he? Well, no. I mean, <laughs> no, he is a kicker. Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> it wouldn't feed no, an offensive but, lineman, that's for <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, right. That wouldn't feed an offensive lineman for a week. No, but no, no, but uh, uh, well, I mean, they pay. They do, uh, like for instance, they'll pick up breakfast and lunch, but no supper because they're not there anymore, you right. know, and and things like that. But then, I don't know, maybe more than that, um, because. Um, but but the other thing that's that's tough is a lot of these uh, athletes that get recruited, especially ones that get recruited out of state, um, they never get home because they don't have money to travel. Mm-hmm. Right. Flat out, don't have any money to travel, and. And I think that's a travesty. I think that the schools, you know, they could pay for that, but they're 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 uh, kept from you know because of rules. They are not allowed to do that. I mean, very strictly. I mean, everything can get carried out, of, out get carried away. But there was uh, there was a lady that I I was uh, when my son played here in the east. I, we lived in Indiana, and I always tried to pick up. Uh, uh, a lady that lived in Indiana whose son played that, that she'd never gone to a football game because she couldn't afford to travel. I mean, she was, well, you know, dirt poor. You know, the, the athlete came from a dirt poor uh, family. And, uh, they, you know, she saw him twice a year for about a week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was just, just very hard to deal with, you know, but... You know, the, the young man's uh, doing very well for himself. He's not playing professional sports. As you said, he, he's, um, you know, he's got a professional career and he's, you know, kind of gotten out of that cycle, as you said. But, you know, I just, for all of the, the wealth in, in college football, um, you know, you'd think that, that uh, maybe some of the parents could get a stipend, uh, you know, some things like that that would help help out with yeah. with uh you know the transition, but, it, but nonetheless, I mean, I don't know why. I, I don't know why. Um, you know, student athletes couldn't make money off of their likeness. Oh, uh, I, I, I agree. I, I agree, Reed. The the one issue though with that that's it complicates a little bit is, I mean, you want a team that's cohesive and you want the, everybody to be on the same page and working together. And and do you do you do it in such a way that that individual gets money off of his, his likeness, or do you do it as a team, so that because you know the, the star quarterback is going to make a lot more money than the um, the the defensive lineman, and it's just it's you know he's he's getting all the fame and glory. So do you put it all in one pot and divide it equally amongst the team? Or is it? I, I think if you're going to have the cohesiveness of a team, you've got to look at doing something like that. Anyway. Yeah, I, you know that, that's certainly a good debate. I mean, but I tell you, the the star athlete, be it the quarterback, be it the uh, or defensive lineman, you know, those guys are doing pretty well these days too. Um, you know, they already they are already elite even on their team. I mean, they get they they get treated with. Uh, a higher level of respect than than the third string um, uh, offensive center, you yeah. know. Yeah. And I mean, I mean that's just that's just natural. But 
But, uh, you know, there are things that I think the schools want to do for the athletes. Reed, we are up against the break. We've got to take a break. Uh, if you're on the line, uh, we'll try to get to your phone calls right after this. Sorry about that, Reed, but uh, we are up against a hard break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in six minutes before the top of the hour. Greg has been waiting patiently. Hey, Greg. Hey, Greg. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, doing um, well? I, so I heard the conversation about Athlete compensation, right? And if you're if you're gonna pay one, you gotta pay them all, and you, all, you gotta pay them all the same. And well, we're we're not dictating anything. We're just we're just throwing out questions that probably need to be addressed. Right, devil's advocate. I'm, I understand that. Um, but I I went to Texas A and M, and Johnny Manziel when he won the Heisman the next year, they raised five hundred million dollars to upgrade the stadium. Mm-hmm. So, are you gonna give him? his lion's share of that? Because let's face it, that's the house that Johnny built. It's not the house the female tennis team built. So, and, that, and Title IX is going to shoot this down big, really quick. Well, they've worked themselves between a rock and a hard place. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you, but I, I don't, you know, there's there's not an easy solution to them. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's not unlike the uh, situation that we're seeing right now in the Olympics where you've got this Laurel Hubbard, who is a biological male, this person has now been approved to compete in weightlifting for New Zealand for the Olympics. Yeah. For the Olympics, <laughs> and well, that's, that's it, whole, it's just it's a, well, no, it is, but it's a can of worms that these people are developing. As it's really interesting when you when you go out of your way to try to satisfy everybody, you're going to satisfy nobody. And you're just going right. to uh, have a lot of challenges and complications that there's not an easy solution for. And I, I don't know what the solution is going to be on this. I mean, I, I hear what you're saying. And I wasn't talking about so much as looking at the tennis team versus the football team. But I'm looking at one particular team. If Johnny Manziel is getting, you know, X number of big bucks because of his big name and, you know, you've got some defensive lineman that's, you know, not getting two cents worth – uh, are you, are you gonna are you gonna have the cohesiveness that you need as a team to play as a team? Well, here's, here's another problem you're gonna have. Let's just use a local example: East Carolina. As good as a quarterback may be at East Carolina, he will never draw the attention of a Johnny Manziel. So, is the NCAA gonna allow them to pay him less and put pay Manziel more? Right. It's gonna vary. It's gonna vary certainly from uh, from team to team and uh obviously the geographical location is going to have a big bearing on that i mean you look at baylor down in uh dallas fort worth area uh, versus ecu in greenville <laughs> it's it's a huge uh, difference in terms of the money that's just in the area uh good question good uh, it's not doesn't have an easy solution though mm-hmm. hey we gotta up. run we'll do it again tomorrow at five o'clock we'll see you then bye bye everybody